Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever wanted to be a part of something great? It's like when an underdog sports team finally wins a title. Everybody wants to be a part of it, and everybody wants to claim that they were fans of the team before they were even popular. I am not sure if you are familiar with, familiar with or not, the Major League Baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays. I was going to say Cubs. <laughs> but back in 2006, the Tampa Bay Rays were terrible. They finished in last place in their division. Nobody talked about the Tampa Bay Rays. Nobody's favorite player came from that team, and nobody went to their games. The Rays baseball stadium on an afternoon game was about as empty and about as desolate as a church during midweek Lenten services. (laughs) As a result of the poor attendance and non-existent television ratings, the team had little to no money coming to them in the and nobody expected them in what was to come. But something happened in the 2008 season that was remarkable. The team that was supposed to lose won. They won game after game, and they kept on winning. They had the smallest budget in Major League Baseball, and they beat the teams with the biggest budgets. The New York Yankees, who spent more than any team in history in 2008, did not even make the playoffs. Instead, it was the Tampa Bay Rays that edged them out. In the playoffs, the Rays were supposed to lose to the more experienced Chicago White Sox in the first round. But they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They beat the White Sox as if they were a semi-truck gliding over a pothole. Then in the American League Finals, they were this team that was supposed to lose to the daunting Boston Red Sox. But apparently, the Rays didn't get the memo. They beat the supposedly superior Red Sox and mesmerized their critics in the process. The team that wasn't supposed to make the playoffs the team that was in last place a year earlier, made it to the big show, the World Series. And a funny thing happened to the Rays in 2008. They started getting fans. People started buying Rays jerseys. The games were selling out. People were declaring the Rays coach a genius. They're still calling that man a genius today because last year he led the Chicago Cubs to their first World Series in over 100 years. But that year, everybody wanted to be a part of this great thing that was happening. In in 2007, nor in the beginning of 2008, did anybody want to be a part of the Rays. Nobody wanted to associate with them except for the loyal few. Now tonight, we're being taught to pray for something 
that at this time, very few people want to be a part of. Look at how many people are here this evening. Jesus is teaching us to pray that God's name would be kept holy, that his kingdom would come, and that God's will would be done. These are not popular things as far as the world is concerned. And they will not be popular things until Jesus returns in his glory. And it is obvious that he truly is the winner. On that day when Jesus returns, everybody will want to be a part of his kingdom. And everybody will want to hallow his name. And everybody will then want and submit to his will. But it will be too late. So Jesus teaches us to pray that these things would happen today. He says, when you pray to your heavenly Father, these are the first three things that I want you to ask for. Ask that his name would be kept holy. Ask that his kingdom would come. And ask that his will would be done. Why? Well, it's not because God's name needs to be holy. It already is holy. It's not that his kingdom won't come unless we pray. It's already coming. And it's not as if his will isn't done. Jesus tells us to pray these three things so that we can be a part of what he is already doing. Jesus is saying when you pray, ask your heavenly Father to allow you to be a part of what he is doing. God's team might not look like much now, but we want to be a part of it anyway. On the cross, it appeared as though Jesus had lost, but his cross is our victory over sin, death, and the devil. From that place of what appeared to be defeat, is where our hope springs. Still today, it looks like God's team is in last place. Yet because Jesus rose from the dead, we know what is around the corner, and we want to be a part of his team every step of the way. First, we want to be part of God's name being kept holy. As Luther notes, God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it would be kept holy among us also. Did you know that we bear God's name upon us as Christians the same way that I bear my family's last name? My family's last name is Herman. My God's name is the triune God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You were baptized into the name of God, born again. And when we as Christians lead bad lives or teach false doctrine, it gives our God a bad reputation. St. Paul writes, While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, 
the name of God is blasphemed among you, among the Gentiles, because of you. To make it a little clearer, when someone in the family does something wrong, it reflects badly on the rest of the family. One person, if they act carelessly enough, can ruin the family name. When you were baptized, we became a part of the family of God. We were baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We bear his name, and the world is watching. We do not want to ruin the family name by having, by having false teaching, by breaking the Ten Commandments, or by God using the name in vain. When we teach false doctrine, we are falsely representing our Father, painting him as something he is not. When we break the Ten Commandments, we are disrespecting and discarding the family rules. When we use God's name to swear, we are abusing the family name as if it meant nothing. But remember, at the beginning of most of our services, what do we say? Our help is in the name of the Lord. Now, as Christians, when we teach falsely, break the commandments, or abuse the family name in any way, we need to ask God for forgiveness. In humility, we say, I am sorry for abusing your name, Father, and the name that you gave me in baptism. I hurt you and gave non-believers a reason not to believe in you. Forgive me and restore the honor of your name through my, both my confession, a right confession, and my actions, that I would love my neighbor. We apologize to God, and we must apologize to those whom we have hurt or offended. This shows them that we respect God's word, and we acknowledge that we have done wrong to them. And it shows that we believe that God loves everybody, even those we have hurt. And we are sorry for what we have done. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are really, what we're really asking is, Father, keep your name holy in my life and in the life of my church. Second, we want to be a part of God's kingdom coming. Luther reminds us that the kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. And Luther also points out that God's kingdom comes when our heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit. In other words, he is the one acting. He is the one sending. Like we say in the, another part of the catechism, I can't believe in Jesus by my own reason or strength, but the Holy Spirit calls me by the gospel. Our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we would believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. In other words, through the message of God's love for us in his Son Jesus, our Heavenly Father delivers us from the domain of darkness and he transfers us 
into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, if we reject this message, if we reject God's love for us, we choose to remain in the kingdom in which we stand, the domain of darkness. And we keep ourselves away from redemption and forgiveness of sins that God desperately wants to give us. You want to see how desperately God wants to forgive you. Look at the cross of his son. He gives it all for you. And when God's word comes to us, the kingdom of Jesus is knocking on our doors. We pray this petition. We are saying, Lord, make me and those around me members of the kingdom that you purchased with the blood of your son. It may look like God's kingdom is losing, but it is a good and loving kingdom nonetheless. There is none like it. And in the end, this kingdom will prevail. And I want to be a part of it every step of the way. And lastly, we want to be a part of God's will being done. In the same way as the last two petitions, Luther reminds us that the good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it would be done among us also. In other words, God's will is going to be done anyway. I just want to be a part of it. I want God's will to be done in my life. Now you might be thinking, what exactly is that will? Jesus explains, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The will of God is that everyone would know his love for them. And that love is made known in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. He wants them to know this love, to trust in it for everlasting life. So how does that message get out? Is it dependent on our praying? It's going to be done anyway. Luther answers that question this way. It says, God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and my own sinful nature, which do not want God's name to be hallowed, nor to let his kingdom come. His will is also done when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious will. He not only brings you into faith, he keeps you there. I was talking with somebody today about salvation. It's both a past and a present term. He saved me. I was drowning. He saved me. He brought me into the boat. He's still saving me 
I'm not home yet. I could still fall off the boat or jump off the boat. So he, is, he has saved me, pulled me out of the water. He is bringing me home in the holy ark of the Christian church. And we pray that nothing would keep him from doing this. We want to be a part of God's team because even if it doesn't look like it, we know in the end it is the only real winning team and we are no fair-weather fans. So when we tell our Heavenly Father by his own bidding, when we say, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, we are saying, Father, I thank you that you have given me your word. And I thank you that you have shown me Jesus through that word. And you have made me to trust in him for my salvation. Help me to live and trust in you every day. And through me, through me, please share your message of Jesus to others, both in what I say that's the correct teaching and also in what I do, how I treat them. I know that you have saved me and that you are saving others through your word and by your Holy Spirit. I want to be a part of that. In the name of Jesus, amen.